During this time of global crisis, we can feel a stirring within ourselves of inner crisis. It can highlight our inner demons, skeletons in the closet, past wounds, and the darker side of our personalities. These are all words for the shadow, the wounded aspect of ourselves that are instinctive, irrational, and prone to psychological projection in which a perceived personal inferiority is recognized as a perceived moral deficiency in someone else. At times, we experience subtle versions of our shadow. During times of crisis, we can feel consumed and somehow possessed by it. But for the most part, we are completely unconscious of our shadow. From a collective point of view, it can seem as though our world is in crisis because of a lack of consciousness. We turn a blind eye, ignore or bury it deeply within us. Its mere existence evokes emotions of guilt, shame, or fear. So when the reminder of our dark side is triggered, our automatic response is to repress it and lock it away in a tightly packed away box. However, navigating, experiencing, and owning our shadow side is a vital part of our expansion in consciousness, individually and as a collective. Welcome to episode 13, The Collective Shadow, where we will explore the darker aspects of not only ourselves, but also the collective unconscious in order to heal, evolve, and transcend. I'm Alejandro Salinas. I'm a dream worker, a death worker, and former massage therapist here in Chicago. <laughs> Unless you do virtual massage, which I don't know. Maybe you can do that. Um, my name is Tree Carr, and I'm an author, a dreaming guide, a death doula, and a tarot reader in the UK. I'm back in the UK. Hey. And I'm Jennifer Clarascura, and I'm a dream guide in New York, still in New York. Welcome yeah. to episode number 13 of The Dream Freaks. Magic number. 13. Oh my God, oh 13. My God. Lucky number. Good one. Good number to do shadow work part two. Yeah, right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's great so, to connect. It feels good. It's been a while. You know, there was a lot going on between everyone and everything that's been happening. And uh, we're finally settled back in. I think we can get to our regular pace of things. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Feels good. Um, so the topic of shadow work and fear and everyone's vivid nightmares has been coming up a lot for everyone I've been talking to and, and even a little bit, you know, myself included. Yeah, I think uh, with this, you know, the lockdown and also the the isolation has, has helped bubble up a lot of things that have been deeply down below the surface for many of us. I think it's because our external worlds have have quieted down. Yeah, we've been 30 days or for some people are 40 days in, right? Yeah, it's, I mean, at least a solid month for most people, yeah. I think. So it's a, it's a, it's like a whole two retreats, two silent meditation retreats. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Totally. And you know, it's been coming up a lot for me, um, especially with the work that I've been doing uh, facilitating death cafes um, is a lot of discussion around grief and the grief of losing jobs, the grief of losing normalcy, the grief of losing security, 
the grief of losing loved ones, which more and more people are, are you know, the things that get much closer. You know, we start moving away from those six degrees of separation and it feels like the it, it's coming and affecting individuals much more often. Yeah, it's hitting very close to home now. And uh, even, you know, that we're all in different countries or whatnot, it's, it's something that we're all collectively experiencing. And a lot of us are now, yeah, it's happening within our circle of friends and we are seeing um, deaths. Yeah. And I think honestly, regardless of whether or not, you know, any of the conspiracies are real or, or whatever it is, like at the end of the day, it's undeniable that people are definitely dying and that people have definitely lost a lot of comfort and security and jobs. Really important to facilitate that process, I think. Yeah, so there's different stages of grief, which um, a lot of people are familiar with. Anger is one of them. Denial, bargaining, sadness, um, and there's acceptance. And there was a sixth one that recently been added by David Kessler, who worked with uh, Elizabeth Ross, um, which is meaning. And that's not to say that things happen for a reason. It's like a terrible thing to say to people. It's often, and that's often uh, received pretty negatively, but that we make sense out of what has happened to us. And we put whatever experience we've been going through into a larger context within the narrative of our lives. Yeah, and I think with meaning, it helps a lot when you're working with your dreams to help achieve meaning through the grieving process. And this is also really advantageous when you're doing shadow work, working with your dreams. And I know a lot of people are having a lot of anxious dreams, strange, weird, you know, nightmarish dreams right now, too, during this whole experience. And working through your dreams in a shadow sense uh, can be very, very helpful uh, assembling the pieces and integrating all the grief that we are collectively experiencing. What our day-to-day looks like is a little different now. So what we feel has also changed. Uh, we're feeling so much in one day um, and we're not distracted by, you know, friends and family unless you're stuck with them. <laughs> but um I feel like uh, the dream is is probably working hard to uh, compensate and and also work through it like you, with its own type of mind. Um, so yeah, I think our mental mechanisms, subconscious and conscious, are going through challenges mm. dealing with how to communicate within themselves as well. You know, this is new territory for all. Absolutely. And something I've been thinking about, especially in the last episode, you know, I had people reach out and say that it's not always easy for them to do the shadow work in their dreams because they're often not getting lucid. And that you don't really need to get lucid to do this kind of shadow work. And I've been viewing ritual as a form Mm -hmm. of waking dream. And in ritual, we're still using metaphors we're still using this living poetry to create a symbolic uh, substitute in a way for the dream of the night that might be harder to access for some people 
Yeah, that's really good. Uh, it's a, almost a way of bridging bridging things over into your waking life. It, it, ritual is very powerful, and I also find it, it's a very creative process and very cathartic. And we can all approach uh, ritual in, in different ways. And it doesn't necessarily have to mean that you are uh, following any type of um, tenets or uh, like a belief system. You can do this innately on your own. Like I know, Ale, you did, right? You, you, you had some objects that felt very special to you or held yeah. some sort of symbolism. And, and you, you made a really beautiful ritual in your own way uh, without be, it being linked to any kind of, you know, um, religion or, you know, uh, tradition. You made your own thing in a very creative way. And it was really quite powerful, wasn't it? it was so, so, so amazing. Yeah, one of my, one of my first yoga teachers... Uh, Gabriel Halpern, he's he's in Chicago here, and he does have a YouTube channel that I, I recommend people check out, uh, just Gabriel Halpern. And he said a long time ago when I was first doing yoga that artists are the ritual makers of society. Oh, uh, yeah. Hmm. And we're all artists. We're all constantly, just by the act of existing, we take part in this collective creation of our external environment. And yeah, I was really triggered. I mean, I've, I've been going through a lot of grief. Personally, I had a friend who died of like a week or two into quarantine. And, and that was really difficult. And I wrote a song in her honor yeah. that was super healing. And a friend of mine shared with me a meme that was really triggering over uh, a relationship that had ended at the beginning of the year. And I knew that I had to dive into those emotions and I didn't want to immediately, but I just couldn't help it. Um, and one, like allowing myself that space and time to just accept those feelings, even though I wasn't anticipating them and to just cry it out. Mm -hmm. I cried off a lot. And, and then I did, I held like a vigil for the loss of that relationship and for the loss of a lot of things I've been feeling and collected different objects that little trinkets that I'd collected from our time together. And I left them in my living room. I made a little altar. I lit a candle. I kept lighting candles for a couple of days, a couple of nights. And uh, I took one of those stones to my brother who is deceased. Who's, he's been deceased my whole life before I was born. And everything else that fit within this coffin that she also gave me on the new moon, mm -hmm. I went to the river and I dropped it in, I offered it rather, I would say, offered this, um, these objects to the river to sort of wash, you know, carry away. And it was, mm -hmm. it was really, really powerful. And um, I did, you know, the day or two after that, I, I was feeling a lot better. Yeah. Um, and it did feel like some of the dreams that I've had with other exes that I've had just over time, this is kind of taking that dream, that shadow work into your own hands. Yeah, absolutely. In a, a really powerful way, when we bridge things over that way in a tangible way in our 3D space, there's something about it that, that helps process helps the integration of the experience. Um, and I'm really happy to hear that that shifted things for you, Ale, that you're able to feel that shift. 
Um, but also, it's so helpful. People sometimes um, aren't ready to let go, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there comes a moment when you're ready. And I feel like that's when it's most effective. That's mm-hmm. why sometimes you have to do something more than once. Yeah. Um, you know, I find that um, in the past, sometimes it's been like that time, that one time that I did that visualization or integration. And then sometimes it's been like a few evolutionary ritual or visualizations that I've had to do. Yeah. Some probably I'm still doing. Um, yeah. But each time it's it's different. So I guess it depends like um, when you really come to the realization that uh, you're on your way. So maybe sometimes don't get too upset if if something is is not working or if you feel like you're still triggered or stuck, you know, it might require you to revisit it uh, until until you get that right moment when it clicks. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, um, and it's really great you brought that up because I think a lot of people feel like um, maybe it should be a one-shot deal and it's just sort of like take the one pill and you're fine. But uh, many times it's a process and grieving is a process too. So it's good to be able to hold space for yourself and, and allow yourself the grace and the patience to, to um, move through grief, which is many layered. As uh, Ale had said in the beginning, like there's, you know, up to six stages of grief and they come all in different waves and forms and at different times, but to just allow yourself the patience. So don't feel so tough on yourself. If you do do a little ritual and you're like, I feel, I still feel bad. <laughs> it's yeah. like keep, you know, be gentle <laughs> with yourself. So it's I've good been, to do that. <laughs> I've been working a lot with the Toltec traditions of dreaming and healing and something Sergio Magana says uh, in a lot of the exercises, I mean, all of the exercises says you, you have to do more than once. And often mm. it's like four times at least for this to be effective. And it doesn't, not that you have to do the same ritual four times, uh, but I think it is a testament to the process and kind of dedication and the, the willingness to continually show up in different forms for Mm -hmm. that process. And recently I've been working with um, and learning about one of the ancient Aztec rain deities uh, named Tlaloc. And, and this was, I've never, I had never had like ancestral like downloads or visions or journeys in this type of meditation, but it was really powerful. I just got, the sort of insider perspective that it wasn't necessarily about the blood that was being shed and and kind of speaking to the violence, the anger that can come up out of this grief, but that just offering our own tears and that those tears shouldn't be forced or pressured because if we view water as the blood of life, Mm-hmm. You know, water and blood are, are very connected symbolically for me. And that water and blood, especially in our own bodies, if the blood is blocked or if the blood is pressured or forced, that causes illness. Mm-hmm. And that these things need to flow freely and unhindered and that we can do the best we can to open up 
those channels, open up those rivers to allow them to flow because the water will go where it needs to go. And the same with your tears, this grief, you let them enter into you. And if you deny yourself that grief or any part of that grief or any part of your own emotions, even your fear, which is something I want to talk to you about, you're, you're denying a part of your own psyche, mm. which also creates a lot more tension and adds grief on top of grief. Yeah. I just want to say that it's not easy for everyone to cry yeah. like maybe I do. It's easy for me. Um, but I know people that it's not easy for them and it's not because they're not uh, feeling it, but I've realized that the people who don't cry are, are the ones that they actually find other ways like um, music, um, release of emotions because I feel I've noticed that there's a lot of people that just crying is not their thing, you know, it's not anything. And that's fine. Yeah, that's totally yeah, fine. But, yeah. it's, but it's it's just like, yeah, I understand like some people, but as long as they're doing something, expressing it in some way or the ritual is a great way. If you don't, if you're not a crier, you know, processing through what Alejandro was saying, um, uh, for me, it's not about rituals uh, with my hands too much. I like uh, visualizations. That's my thing. My mind is the place that I process things through visualizations. I journey and journey to my past. I journey to the moments where I had uh, trauma or wherever I'm triggered. I realize when did, when, did, when did I get that feeling? When did that yeah. feeling start in my life? And I journey there and I talk to myself in my mind and... Um, process it, integrate it, you know, um, or just speak and hug. I sometimes don't even, you know, back when I didn't even know what integration was, all I did was just go back to that place and instinctively just talk to myself, hug myself and just tell myself that it's going to be okay, yeah. that I was going to be fine. And that helped me through a few traumas um, to the point where I don't have them anymore. I can't even call them traumas anymore. They're just mm. like a past life memory now. I, I, I don't have that um, connection to it anymore. So it worked, whether it was like my own, <laughs> you know, um, innocent attempt to go back and just say something kind. Yeah, that's very powerful. And so how, how have you both been navigating shadow work through dreams through the lockdown period? Have you had anything like a theme in particular? Has there been like shadow themes or how have you been? Yeah, de definitely things? shadow themes for sure. I had recently a dream where I'm looking at my reflection and my hair is going up in the air and I'm thinking, how beautiful does that look? And I wanted to capture it. And as soon as I started to try to capture it, I, my reflection turned into Maleficent. <laughs> and uh, I was wondering what that was about, you know, and it triggered me a little bit. I was a little offended, which is for me a huge uh, shadow work. And I make jokes about it. You know, that's me homeschooling and things like that. But in, underneath, I, I, I take it deeper, you know. In a world right now where people are throwing the words evil and where I'm doing shadow, a lot of shadow work and darkness, all these things, I realize I have yet to integrate a large part of, a deeper part of my darkness. Mm. And, um, and I, I was looking online, like, wh where does this Maleficent, uh, where does it come from? Is it what fairy tale, you know, just to look into it. And um, the first thing that came up was a video 
called um, Once Upon a Dream. It's the theme for the movie, I guess. And the, the lyrics are like, um, I know you, I walked with you once upon a dream. And I felt like that my own darkness or what I would probably, I don't even use the word evil, but I was thinking if I did, if I did use that word, because I don't like to use that word. I was like, why don't I like mm. to use that word? You know, I really went even deeper than just hiding behind. I don't use that word, you know, <laughs> and really try to to see like where, where my real true darkness that is mirrored out in the world is, is, is hiding. And why isn't she with me? Why is she in a mirror looking at me like, hey, <laughs> you know te tempting me to 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 dive even deeper so yeah that that for me has been uh, just a series this was just like recently but i've been having dreams sort of like this yeah. that are triggery so and, i've been working and hair is such a strong symbol of magical power mm -hmm. especially with witches so having the hair coming up like that. And even in, you know, the, the Native American tradition, I'm not sure if it's a specific tradition, but I've heard that they grow their hair as these sort of, um, I might be butchering this, I'm sorry, but like uh, these uh, like antennas, so to speak, that, yeah, that, that reach the heavens. And, you know, like Samson and his like power. Yeah, Samson. Yeah, from the hair. links. And the Sikh uh, religion, the men grow their hair very, very long um, and keep that up in their turban. And a uh, lot of traditions in a lot of societies with hair being very um, linked to intuition and uh, sensitivities. And yeah, like an antennae, like a psychic antennae. And, and Tree knows that I have chosen, like, I don't like to get too psychic. Um, <laughs> I kind of like uh, have had the option for my mediumship skills to open. And I'm always like, no, thanks. I don't want to deal with, you know, I, I keep it in dreams. I don't like to deal with afterlife coming at me and waking life like my sister. Um, you know, Tree is having a lot of that happening, right? Psychopomp, you call it. Um, yeah. And uh, for me, that's also triggery. Like, uh, I, I'm always like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm also looking into why I have these feelings of, uh, you know, putting my hand up, like, stop. No, you know, <laughs> those moments maybe. when I'm just, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe you've done a lot of work in that before and you're just like, I need to break this time around. Yes, but I'm also looking at why it's, it's showing up, like, you know, like Alejandra was saying, the hair, the psychic, the these yeah. things are probably all tied in with my maybe it was a part of my life and maybe it was not used in a good way and I have a thing against it I don't know like I have to really dive in yeah that's really yeah that's good and even you know I've been thinking that you know Maleficent is still a very powerful witch and if we remove the labels of like good and evil, which can be very decisive which are just archetypes that exist in all of us you know we need both um and yeah, to yeah there was a lot of both. power in that in that image yeah it's true i've been thinking of the jung quote where he says a tree can only grow to heaven whose roots have reached down to hell <laughs> yeah. and in between the heaven and hell is where we find ourselves on earth but we need that deep deep dive to really expand and grow mm -hmm. and i always say the size of your darkness is the size of your light so 
Yeah. Um, it's, it's something that's come up, you know, it's come up and I'm, I'm open to the dream work because this is how I process things. So if you're a dreamer listening to the dream freaks, so, you know, dreams are, your dreams are very important right now because that's how yeah. you, you obviously into attuned to it for some, you know, you, you're called to it in some way. Yeah. Tree, have you been having a lot of like, uh, psychopomp experiences lately? Yeah, I have, you know, since the lockdown, um, I've been having a lot of, um, I've been working a lot of my dreams with other people. So can, I, can we also my, refresh on what, what psychopomp work is for people who, who may not be new or who may be new? Yeah. So the role of a psychopomp is a bit of an ancient one. It goes back to ancient Egypt. A psychopomp is almost as a, like a, a person that helps usher uh, the dead uh, that, that are caught between worlds. I know that sounds so science fiction and far out, but uh, <laughs> this has been around. It's not a, um, a Netflix series, you know, believe me. It's like been around for Maybe coming times. soon. Maybe coming soon. Um, but it's very sh- shamanistic as well. But I mean, uh, you see it in a lot of different cultures and modules. I think it's a, just a very human thing. And so a psychopomp um, usually is in the realms of mediumship as well, where you... Um, you're able to, I guess, converse with, with uh, those who've passed, but not passed properly. And they are somehow caught within the earth plane and um, are able to just kind of just be a little bit of a, a guide. So it's, I just sort of see it as almost like a traffic warden a bit. <laughs> you're like, hey, I, yeah, I can see you there. You, you need to go over there. You're just kind of like a person, <laughs> if that makes sense, you're a person who just says... <laughs> Hey, look, see, see over there, those are your ancestors. So uh, go meet them. But a lot of the times it's, it, uh, you're, you're um, com- communing with the, the person or soul or spirit or essence, however you want, consciousness, however you want to call it. A lot of times they don't even realize that they've, that they've, that they've passed. So a lot of the times they're, they, they are confused and in, in almost like a liminal space, like an astral space and, uh, or a dream that feels never ending and it's very confusing so yeah the role of the psychopomp also is to say hey it's okay you actually you're dead and there are your ancestors there uh, you can reunite um, so that's another way uh, uh, so that a psychopomp works and mine, be- um, mine began in astral it didn't like it's a, it isn't something that came to me like in waking life through like books or studying it it was more yeah. like my guides coming pulling me by the ear and being like time to clean you know yeah um and i just i kind of knew what to do in that realm and it took me years to understand what i was actually doing and then um, I kind of like applied it a little bit in my waking reality. But like I said, I liked, I, li- I always liked to keep that separate. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I have this thing where I'm like, okay, not that here, not now. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's funny how you fall into these things intuitively. And uh, when I was young, a young woman, this I fell into it intuitively and dare never talk about it because it just seems like you're whacked out, cuckoo crazy lady, you know. And uh, so as I as I evolved and grew as a person and and realized that actually this is a role and what you've been doing is, um, you know, it's been around for a long time. And then I felt a little bit more confident, like, you know, coming out and actually saying, oh, yes, <laughs> I, I know that stuff. <laughs> and um, so coming out the broom closet. 
Yeah, to- yeah, totally coming out of the broom closet. So, uh, yeah, lately, my dreams since the lockdown have all been very psychopomp orientated and also just um, uh, helping a lot of people in the dream state. So I've been getting a lot of new clients and through uh, my, my, the work that I do, mostly with uh, mediumship and uh, tarot reading. And I've been having a lot of lucid dreams uh, that involve the clients that I've been working with. So in the dreams, I'm like, I'm helping them with their shadow work, uh, doing like kind of healings in the dreams on them, uh, which has been phenomenal because um, I had one the other night where one new client, um, I was doing like a kind of like a healing on this person. And I was removing all this fear-based energy that was coming out of their side uh, of, of their lower abdomen. And they, they were like little like uh, creatures coming out, like uh, little shadow entity type oh. things. <laughs> and they were, they're coming out. And in, in my dreams, I speak a dream language and I was speaking it. And uh, there was a lot going on with uh, this, this person. They kept going, going, whoa, what's happening to me? Oh my, you know, just kind of exclaiming a bit. And there was uh, some commentary. Anyway, when I got in touch with my uh, client the next morning, um, he confirmed a lot of stuff that, uh, that I was in fact experienced in the dream, uh, in that lucid dream with him. Um, one particular, he was, he had a, a, a lot, many years ago, an astral experience where he uh, came up upon an entity in the astral and it, um, it um, attacked him on that side of his body and he feels like that it, it instilled fear in him and basically he hasn't been able to go astral since that it really put him off and made him really afraid um, so there was some interesting like feedback that I got from him which really made it feel a lot more powerful the experience and mm-hmm, um, definitely yeah, so it feels, uh, I, I've been doing my own shadow work too in my dreams, and I feel like I've been helping others in, in the dream state as well. Um, just whenever I dream of someone, I'll get in touch and be like, I had this in a dream, and then they're like, hey, that I'm going through that. And so it's been a wonderful time for connecting to the collective. I feel like it's been very strong, and I feel... Um, I'm learning a lot, you know, like, and I get so blown away by all of this. I'm like, fuck, this is like, it's amazing. Like just connecting with others in the dream state and, and helping them in some kind of way. I was just like, life's really interesting and incredible and amazing. And there's just so much potential. Even in our, like, uh, or I guess you could say our peer space, the other lucid dreamers, dreamers, dream workers, the, like we've all come together in and started the lucid hive the lucid hive is that what, yeah. the lucid hive yeah the lucid hive and it's kind Go of follow the lucid hive on instagram <laughs> and facebook y'all and it's kind of like that that thing like we're working together you know it's it's a, another part of integration is how that has manifested into our lives cuz usually dreamers are like yeah. lone wolf workers you know and this is for the first yes. time i've seen such a huge group just come together in this way for one purpose and that's to um, to come united knowing that we all come from different areas and we don't have to believe the other, you know, like uh, some some are atheists, some believe in God, some believe in the universe, you know. Um, it's like all these different walks of life and we're all just saying, you know what, we respect one another and we're here to mm-hmm. to keep creating content no matter, you know, whose belief is what. 
And I think that's a huge statement to the world, to the world of lucid dreaming and dreaming and dream work. Yeah, I have a ton of gratitude for Reese Jones, who many people have have probably heard of on YouTube. He's been at this for a long time, who brought everyone together. And a quote, one of my favorite quotes about dreaming from Robert Wagner, he says, uh, no dreamer controls the dream in the same way that no sailor controls the dream, no sailor controls the sea, but that you know, we're not, we don't have to be alone on our boats. We can assemble a crew to help navigate yeah. these waters. And we, we do say, you know, we're all, in the, we're all in the same boat. We're in this together. Mm. And really yeah. connecting and finding your, your crew, Yar. And, yes. and it requires um, putting your ego aside because not everybody believes in what everybody believes in. And sometimes dream work, like dream interpretation, people don't mesh with lucid dream or astral projection with lucid dream you know it's like somehow Mm -hmm. here even with astral projection we're all we're all joining hands so to speak and being like Mm -hmm. okay let's let's do this together we we all hold a piece of the puzzle we recognizing that everybody has a piece and that's that's the important yeah and you know like being on this boat like we're in some very metaphorical turbulent waters as a society right now Mm-hmm. And you can argue and we can bicker about whether or not the storm is coming or it's going to hit or that it's already hitting or that people are like hiding under and not hearing the like torrential downpour that's already happening. That when you're on a boat and when you do have people on your team, you can more effectively look out for one another. You know, if, mm-hmm. if you're not feeling up for taking to the mast, someone else can take up that role for a moment to relieve you of those duties for a bit. You know, when a friend can hold space for you and support you when you Mm -hmm. don't feel like you can get anything done, but that you know that that will pass so that when you do feel better, you can proceed again and offer that same support uh, companionship to everyone else. If you have the capacity for it, which is nice um, community is is so has been so important during this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because everybody has a role. Everybody is good at something. Is unique, um, natural abilities toward something in the community. And the beauty is sometimes just um, finding out what that is, right? And you can only know that if you begin to open up to group to community. Yeah, which is like we've been talking a lot about these darker shadows, but we have the golden shadows, which is the parts of ourselves that are really wonderful. And I think a lot of people are discovering in quarantine that, hey, turns out they're an amazing chef. They can cook really great bread. They can sew really well. They've been playing their music better. They've been discovering parts of themselves that have been more dormant and those are coming to life and they can begin to share Mm -hmm. these with other people. I do want to talk about fear a bit um, Mm -hmm. because it's been coming up a lot and I hear a lot of people say, that fear is the enemy and that fear is to be avoided. Um, the fear is like uh, the, you know, the most dangerous mind state that we could be in. And I completely disagree. And in one of our previous episodes, when we talked about love, we talked about the seven or the, all the different kinds of, of different types of love. And a friend of mine in the Death Cafe said that they think fear is a lot like that. There's a lot of different kinds of fear. 
and we yeah. were exploring this and someone else mentioned that they like to view fear in t- two different ways where one is very intuitive and nurturing and this type of fear is there innately to help keep you surviving and this is like a a, a nurturing gentle fear the same kind of fear that you get like at the edge of a cliff because of course like that could mean you fall and die um and another kind of fear is a more egoic pressured um you know sort of like a bully and this is a kind of fear that may be like oh you're not good enough or no one cares about you seeing the threshold of fear right sometimes the the biggest fear is fear itself yeah and until you sit with the fear and let it like take over you for a second and until and you you begin to like you know find your legs and and you're like okay i'm in it now what you know yeah and that's happened to me where i'm like okay i'm in it i'm in it you know and then i'm like okay so i'm not dying um <laughs> you know i'm okay what 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 can i do here yeah the dalai lama has a really great quote he says if there's sufficient reason to fear then fear is good the fear creates preventative measures so that's good yet if there is no basis to fear then when you meditate mm-hmm. analytically the fear will be reduced that's the proper yeah. way and that yes you know like there's so often we find ourselves like am i in immediate danger right. but also accepting that of course like validating right. your fear of course you're afraid validating that fear gives you power mm-hmm. and control over the situation it allows me to take the proper steps that i need to take to mitigate um whatever threat that may be real be it yeah real yeah, or not you can start a dialogue with your fear even that's helped me like i i immediately start to have a dialogue like okay why what is up like what what am i not what what do you suggest i do what are you, you representing right now what am i not seeing and it actually has helped me a lot because when i'm in fear to that degree i think that i i start to get some kind of like strange instinct instinct come up mm-hmm. um it's almost like i'm in a magical place i guess uh, sounds strange but i'm open you know to that kind of dialogue to occur and uh, whether it's my imagination or my imagination started it it doesn't matter because ultimately i do get the answers the right ones so yeah just like in the dream you know in dreams it doesn't matter if those dreams are quote unquote real or not the experiences of them the emotions we feel uh physiologically psychologically are very real and valid And yeah, the same with the dream we develop a relationship to these things. They're not, you know, we don't demonize our emotions. Um that's just that's just trouble, but develop a relationship with. It's not the fear itself, it's your relationship to the fear or the anger or the grief, whatever it may be. So it's like a nightmare, right? Everything is your ally, really. It's working for you, not against you. And with that mentality, because that's a mentality you have to adapt 
um, mm. once you adapt that mentality, you, you, it's different. Things change and um, it's not as mm -hmm. hard <laughs> or not hard, <laughs> but it's not as um, it's not an obstacle that's going to stay there because that's what allows me to work through it. On a collective level, though, fear can be can reach a spectrum. <laughs> Fear can reach a spectrum where it's completely off kilter and yeah. we're looking at the realms of disillusion, uh, delusion, paranoia. Yeah. And conspiracy uh, theories. That. Yeah, there's a lot of that right now. And a lot of people getting swept away Jeez. where it, they're looking through the lenses of reality through, uh, you know, extreme... Um, delusion mm -hmm. yeah and that's you know as dreamers we perform reality checks and it's so important to discern the difference between our own subjective experiences and the objective observations that we're making around us mm -hmm. and certainly some things are very valid but other things are not and differentiating that can is become increasingly difficult in the online Absolutely. Uh, culture that we've mm -hmm. been around like, can you actually do reality check on a piece of uh, misinformation? I mean, absolutely. <laughs> but again, it, it takes a lot of, uh, even, you know, reality checks can fail in the dream. You might say, yeah. I'm going to pinch myself. And you're like, ow, that still hurt. But you're still in the dream. And the <laughs> more we practice and the more we develop uh, reality checks that are more effective for us, and the more we get familiar with these the better we can differentiate uh, what there is. Yeah, that a lot of things can certainly have dangerous consequences, especially a lot of the misinformation. We've definitely been seeing in America for years and years now the dangers mm -hmm. of kind of downplaying the truth and of gaslighting. Mm -hmm. um, and that, you know, like being okay not knowing. And being okay saying, I don't actually know enough about this to have an opinion. Well, it's um, absolutely, I, I really do think a lot of uh, conspiracy theories is rooted in like extreme egoism, where people feel like they want to be the holders of the keys of the truth of information. And the key is none of us really knows what's going on. We are literally flying through space on a ball of chaos that we're, you know, we're trying to, you know, say that we know what the hell's going on, but uh, do any of us? Um, so that is what gives me a red flag straight away when someone says, I am the holder of the truth and follow me. And this is the way to the truth. And all. Yeah. And then all of y'all who disagree, like, you, um, oh, you're so um, you're pitied and uh, you're, you're full of, you know, I don't know. It gets really mind twisty, right? That's why I think there's a lot of this really strange gaslighting, ego gaslighting, strange narcissistic vibes going on with some people with their, uh, what, they're, um, what they're peddling right now. And for me, if it's not rooted in love, if it's not rooted in love and it's not for the greater collective, the well-being of the planet and of humanity, if there's teams, oh, there's us versus them, we're the truth and you're the not truth, I, I'm highly suspicious of it. That's very religion-like, right? Like very, or... Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like the, the, the rapture, yeah. the end of the world, or the, um, 
you know, heaven and hell. Uh, I'm going to transcend oh, yeah. new, new earth, or even old like earth. Yeah. Any There's language, evil. militant language, like this war that you're fighting. Yeah, um, evil. Super divisive. Yeah, evil, and that's not war, it. War and the chosen people and the awakening and the awakened ones and like all this wording is very, um, uh, gives me red flags, you know, because it just seems like a new packaged version of the doomsdayer people in, of the 1980s and 90s of uh, yeah. evangelical Christianity. So, yes. uh, so, but now it's what is uh, the new age movement with aliens thrown in. So to me, it's the same, <laughs> it's the same vibes. To me and, too, that's the same exact vibe. And, if, and, you know, and it's, it's a vibe of fear and it's a vibe of uh, a vibe also of us and them. And we're the chosen ones and you're worthless. And that's yeah, I, I just not good. You know, it's just going to cause more strife, more war. Yeah. I think sometimes the, um, I think sometimes conspiracies can give people comfort to sort of deny or avoid the fears that they're having. It gives them a greater sense of control of a situation that they really yeah, have no exactly. control over ultimately. Um, and that can be challenging to break yeah, through, yeah, especially exactly. when that seems like the conspiracy still feels like it is for the benefit of humanity, whatever it may yeah, be. Yeah, but that's a crazy obsession when you get obsessed that, that everybody has to hear your theory, you know, that's. And if you're not hearing it, you are, um, you know, you're out. There should be no teams yeah. ultimately, yeah. right? Uh, a perfect world would be, there are no teams. There are, there is no divide. We're in all gender. Team. There's no We're divide all one of team, race. Yeah. That's, that's right. So I've been thinking a lot about the way, especially in America is sort of obsessed with this rugged individualism. And the sentiment of thinking for yourself and how we can shift that thinking for yourself to thinking with each other. Yeah. And that feels more wholesome. Even people we disagree with, like, but mm -hmm. and not like, and not in a Facebook comment thread. Um, those are rarely ever productive, <laughs> but you know, engaging with someone who has an opposing belief without attacking, but of understanding where they're coming from um, and why they're believing the things they do um, and to what ends they, they hope. And sometimes, you know, we all ultimately want the same things and we can work together to come to new, more nuanced, more complex, um, less divisive understandings of these situations. So now Tree is going to read us uh, Tree's going to pull a card. Okay, right. let me feel into them right here. Yeah, let's, let's jump into some tarot. This is for the collective. Haha, -ha, I've pulled the Empress card, and I keep pulling this card during the lockdown. <laughs> so the Empress card, it's the card of Mother Nature herself, a really big... Um, prompts to reconnect with nature, but also just to reevaluate our attitudes towards nature and to the planet and how we are treating our planet. Um, and uh, everything from the environment to our views of uh, planet, planet consciousness. Also, this is a very healing card to the Empress. 
So nature bringing back more balance and healing into our lives just by reconnecting with nature. And also it's the card of creativity and birthing new ideas and uh, the card of rebirth. So birthing a new, um, um, a new era. I mean, we, we could do that. We could try to set the record straight and get this right moving forward. Um, if we could just put down our egos a little bit and, and work together collectively, like you're saying, Ale, why, why, why with this ideology of everything's a individualistic, uh, solo pursuit of com- competitiveness. Uh, so the Empress is, you know, this all encompassing, um, planet Gaia, you know, consciousness, um, but also really great with the Empress card too, um, connecting with beauty, connecting with our own femininity. Uh, we all hold a feminine aspect within ourselves and creating things like beautiful little creations at home. You know, it could be from anything from, from doing um, a painting to writing a few words down, some poetry, uh, getting creative in some kind of way is uh, a very healing act as well with the Empress yeah, I think a lot about like what um, can be nurtured and how we can nurture ourselves, how we can nurture other people mm. and the way that mutual aid mm. has become really apparent and, and really strong within communities I'm in that I've witnessed from other communities. Uh, just like, yeah, like the collective helping each other, nurturing each other, nurturing the planet, yeah, nurturing definitely. ourselves as best we can. Um, Another thing with the Empress, you know, this COVID thing, you know, it's part of a worldwide planetary experience right now. And it is coming from nature, effectively, although some conspiracies would say it came from a lab. Um, but, but regardless, it, it is uh, it's having an impact on the world. Uh, the world has stopped. Nature is actually coming sort of coming back. I mean, we've seen cleared up skies from smoggy regions and animals coming back into the cities and uh, phenomenal how, how quickly nature bounces back after humans have, uh, have been removed from the scene, so to speak. Just uh, does make you feel humbled in a way that we live in such a living world that will carry on even if we're not here. Um, we should revere that and we should honor this amazing planet that we live on um uh another thing to say i feel like i feel like the um our like in in this like quarantine we've come to realize also how our dreams can help facilitate a thing like Mm. quarantine um, because they're a place where we go um where we can interact with one another regardless of what's happening in physical waking reality and um, it's kind of like the balance that is needed, and we have that in us. We have that that um, ability to balance ourselves with our dreams. Our dreams can help us work through the imbalances, whatever we feel is, um, you know, painful yeah. on the outside. So, how can the Empress card help us right now in the lockdown, and also with our dreams? I think that. Um, I know we're a lot of us can't really get out. Some of us live in cities, so we can't access nature on our uh, daily exercise or have a garden. But if you are able to, even in your meditations, just connect with nature, just, you know, even visualizations, go to your favorite nature spot in your, in your mind's eye through your, your uh, meditations, or perhaps before you go to bed at night, you can set intents to, 
fly to your favorite mountaintop or your favorite valley or lake or river in your dreams. You can connect with the planet through your dreams and make intents before you fall asleep uh, to, to do that, to connect um, and visit and connect with nature in your dreams. So it's, it's very possible, but even in the, in the meditations too. So that's a really nice way of, uh, of connecting, even though we're in the lockdown, we can't get out. Doesn't the Empress also represent like uh, pregnancy yeah, sometimes? Birth. And I think of pregnancy, but pregnancy being something that, that does happen in the dark. <laughs> You know, oh, I thought womb. you meant in the bedroom. I was like, I like the lights on. No, 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 no. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but that we need this darkness for this fetus, this thing to grow. And like in this time where, where things do seem so dark, we can dream up, uh, we can birth new ideas that will be ready in yeah. time to, to come to life. Yeah, amazing. Great incubation period. Yeah, to start those ideas, get creative, start uh, mapping out some of these ideas for, yeah, birthing a project, birthing something post, <laughs> post lockdown. Yeah, or during, yeah, Lale, your inspiration. You've got so many creative things that you're releasing right now. It's awesome. Look, I know this is Love really it. shitty for a lot of people, but I've been low-key thriving here. It's good. Oh, I love it. <laughs> what I needed, you know, because again, like so, so much of my life has been externally focused doing other kinds of things. And now that I've been here, I've, I've really um, occupied my time with other things that I've put to the side that I've neglected. So it's really thanks. good. Um, I'm, yeah, it's, you know, I mean, it's still been a roller coaster. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, some some good has definitely come out of it. Um, thank you all so much for listening to another episode of The Dream Freaks. If you would like to support us further, you can follow, review us across all major platforms where podcasts are found. We've just made it to iTunes and Apple Music. You can find us there. You can find any of us on YouTube. And stay tuned for future projects with other lucid dreamers through the Lucid Hive. Give them a follow. And we're also available to support through our Patreon, where we have all kinds of fun rewards at many levels to help us financially keep this project and this podcast alive and floating at full mast.